Receive our sponsors. Sponsors. Chris Toothpaste. Now, uh, Ed and Iris Miller for sponsoring honor of Dr. Arthur Shapiro's special birthday. Shkoyach. Mazel tov, Dr. Shapiro. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Amen. 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 Thank you. Ruben Reznikov in honor of the Rav and the Kabura with a car for welcoming him with open arms and then it's a great group. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Applebaum, who I don't think he's here. I don't see Jerry. Um, in honor of his grandson's birthday. Oh, Mazel Tov. Mazel and a tremendous thank you. A tremendous thank you to Rabzvi for always, uh, for, the, for the beautiful, beautiful spread. Incredible. Incredible. It gets, uh, gets more intense each week. Yeah. Also, if, if, any, if anyone has any additional ideas about what we can deep fry, we're, we're open to deep frying ideas. If there's fruits, fruits, vegetables, you know, whatever we can. <laughs> Chairs, you know, whatever, whatever we can do. If we could put batter on it and deep fry it, we are, we are ready. We are ready. But I've seen tremendous So, so beautiful. By the way, I respond to feedback, by the way. But everyone pulls back. They're like, does everything have to be fried? And then kind of. <laughs> yes, you have to say it. Last you have week, to say it. I was like, where'd the fries go? The fries are the best. You only did that once. Mamish, you're a man of the people. All right, Shkoyach. I will say, let's, uh, let's delve in. Let's delve in. First of all, there are extra Svarim over here if anyone needs. Samir Tashem, tonight we are continuing on the bottom of page 51. So we're actually, we're actually coming, coming close. We're actually coming close. Samir not, 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 not All right, then. I didn't know what I was reaching for. We're actually coming close, Emir Hashem, for the to the end of this section. Again, we'll see. I don't think we'll get to it tonight. Maybe we'll save it, Emir Hashem, next week for for Hoshana Rabbi Emir Hashem. But let's begin. We're picking up page page fifty one, the bottom. So we'll say that Piyazetzlin says as follows. So the Rebbe says. Again, remember, in this particular section, so what's unique over here is, remember, the title of this section is the Seder Hadracha Uklalin. So remember, again, in this particular section, so what the Piaget is really going through is just kind of some basic major points. The points, ultimately, again, that are necessary in order for one to be successful in all of the other parts that we've seen so far, and just in general, successful in their growth in Yiddishkeit. So here the Piaget says as follows, paragraph test, this is an incredible piece. A yid should never have a day, has a day where he's not learning. Can't have a day pass by you without Torah. Tov shit, listen to this. Tov says, it is better to say every person has an obligation to learn Torah every day. So we know this, right? We know this. Torah says, Torah says that we are supposed to go ahead, right? Right? We're supposed to go ahead and have Torah with us again when we're at home, when we're on the road, when we're sitting up, lying down. Torah is supposed to be a part of our lives. Of course, the way we the way we kind of consolidate that obligation is that a person has an obligation to be kovei itim Torah. Now, we'll say kovei itim Torah doesn't just mean setting aside time to learn; it means setting aside specific time to learn. Now, we'll say, why isn't just enough? Why isn't it enough to go ahead and just set aside time to learn? Why does that have to be specific time to learn? We know, because what happens when you don't set aside a specific time for something? What happens? Just uh, whatever it is, seven out of ten times, eight out of ten times, it just doesn't get done. Again, not because I don't care about it, but just simply because it gets, it gets bumped 
for other things that are a bit more time emergent. So therefore, again, so we have a, and that's supposed to say, you know, what a person is asked three questions. After 120, when a person comes before the Beis Shamala, before the heavenly court, I'm asked three questions. Number one, a sect of Imperia Berivia. Did I try to have a family? Did I try to, I can't guarantee, did I try to have a family? Right? Nasasa v'nasata ba'amuna. Was I honest in my business dealings? And kavata itim Torah. Did you set aside time to learn? Now, amazingly enough, if you notice, by the way, the Ribbono Shel Olam doesn't ask me what? What doesn't he ask me? How, excellent learning, right? He doesn't ask me how much time I learned. That's not the question. That's not the question, because there's a recognition that the amount of time I'm able to devote to learning could be a whole variety of different life circumstances. So that I'm, not, I'm not judged on the amount of time. I'm not judged on the quantity. What I'm ju- it's not quantity, it's kvius. It's not even quality. It's quantity, it's kvius, not quantity. In other words, have I, se- have I designated time every single day? This is the time that I learn. So that's the, and again, that's not the piyaj, that's not, that's the, that's the gemara. That's Chazal telling us that a yid has an obligation to set aside time to learn. And again, the, the concept of kvias itim Torah ultimately is same time every day. Now here I'll say the Piazetzna goes ahead and adds in his piece and he says, do this in the morning. Do this in the morning. Again, right, I'm, I'm going to give you that Yomi plug a little bit again. <laughs> do, do it in the morning. So I'll say, so the truth is, even before we go on, the truth is the Hever from the Daft knows the best thing about learning at 545, 555, whenever we start, is I will say, no one ever has a conflict at 545 in the morning, right? There is never a pre-release scheduled meeting, right? Okay, maybe you have a gift off, flight to catch or travel, okay. But in general, in general, right? And, and again, I, I would even say, if you do have conflicts, you have to manage your schedule a little bit better. Like, like Lemaisa, come on, you know, there, there is a, a person, a person has to set a priority system in life. So if you look at a time of day where there is the least amount of conflicts, it's the morning. And the earlier you get, the earlier you write, the earlier it is. So ultimately, again, the less conflict ridden the particular time of day is. So the Pijatsna says it's important to set aside time for him. That's Aleph, Beis, but do it by poker. He says, Why? Well, he says something very beautiful. So I'm, I'm explaining it as because you have a greater statistical probability of maintaining a seder of learning in the morning than you do in the evening. That, that's just the reality, right? So much stuff happens in the evenings. A person, a person especially a person, has to have a family. There's so many other things that just come up over the course of an evening. So I was saying, I was thinking the Piagetzel was going to say that at the end of the day, set your kavias of learning in the morning because, again, it won't be interrupted. But he says something very beautiful. He says, The Rebono Shalom loves beginnings. How do you know the Rebono Shalom loves beginnings? Because the first pasuk in the Torah is Bereshis, Baruch Hu wanted to tell us what he did first thing, so to speak, in the morning. The Rebbeim loves beginnings. The Chevra, why does the Rebbeim love beginnings? Because often in life, the way you begin something will fundamentally determine its trajectory and its ultimate outcome as well. Now, sometimes a person in a particular life endeavor or initiative can have a flawed beginning and you can still salvage it. That's definitely possible. But Lamaisa, there's a power. When you begin something strong that, that, that casts a positive, a positive pale, right? That's the proper term. But it casts a positive energy over the rest of the particular endeavor. So therefore, again, the Piazzatzla says, you go ahead, you begin your day with Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Reishas. He loves beginnings. He loves beginnings. And when we begin strong, I will say, it sets the tone for the day. He goes, Okay. What happens? I can't learn in the morning. 
I will say again, a person can learn in the morning, well, whatever. People have different scheduling, whatever else it might be. It's fine. So make your kavias in the evening. I will say, but bottom line is, whether it's the morning, whether it's the evening, whether it's the afternoon, whenever it's going to be, what's my obligation? My obligation is to actively set up a time to learn. And I will say, again, barring like extenuating circumstances, that has to be a time that I don't compromise on. That has to be Kodesh Kadoshim. That has to be sacrosanct. That has to be something that just cannot be infringed upon by anything. Okay, not talking about extenuating circumstances, but in a general sense. And he says, make a schedule. Now, kitzvah literally means an amount. An amount. Right? And kitzvah lishno secha. We just, we just dive in, right? So kitzvah, kitzvah, so make for yourself a particular amount. What does this mean? Kame Gimara, page 52. Medrash. Talmud bechol shavua. Ubechol yom. Chok velo yavar. So we'll say, so the PHS says, make, make a schedule. In other words, we'll say, sometimes, this in general, you know, I, I have this conversation, I just had this conversation literally today with somebody who was telling me about Dafyomi, about Dafyomi, about how it's really not a good Seder Halimut. It's not a good thing because, because you know, you, what do you retain? It goes so quickly. Uh, I said this, so I said to the person, I said, how much time do you learn a day? He said, 20 minutes. So 20 minutes. I said, well, I learned 45 minutes. So by definition, I'm better than you. Right? right, right, right. In other words, forget, about, forget about whatever else I learned. I didn't say that part. Right? But, but, but Lemaisa, again, Lemaisa will say, you're right. In other words, there's a cost-benefit analysis. Could a person go ahead and perhaps understand more, delve deeper in a different form of learning? Absolutely, they both say. But those of us who do the DAF know. What is the most incredible part of the DAF? The most incredible part of the DAF is not is not the retention. It's not even the information. Gedali Rosblum said this at one of our last siyumim. He said the best part of daf yomi is yomi, is yomi. The best part of the limud is the continuity. It's every single day. So those of you who are here, Yom Kippur, right? We had a one-hour break. So what does he do during his one-hour break in, in Yom Kippur? What does he do? What does he do? He does a daf. What, 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 it, it, it's, it's not, it's not like what you, what you, if, of course it's what you do. Like, what's, what's, you get your again, I'm, I'm a big fan in general, but I'm saying, even if, I, but, but I, I, I have to accept the argument that if you're looking to master something per se, I don't know that Dafyomi gives you mastery. I think Dafyomi gives you breath. Right? Halavai, Halavai. Dafyomi gives you, right, entire panoramic view of Torah. It gives you ideas, gives you concepts. Absolutely. And I will say, but most importantly, Dafyomi gives you a daily anchor. That every, every single, and again, this is not a Dafyomi plug, because there, there are plenty of good programs like this. There's Amadyomi program also. There's Araisa. There's plenty of wonderful, but, but I think that's the godless of, of kind of hooking in to something that is a daily mechaev. Now, this is the PhD that's saying, make it a kitzvah. How much, and I both say, here, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but remember, it's not just enough for Gemara also. A person has to have a well-balanced spiritual diet made up of a variety of different Torah sources. He says, how much you, so he has to say, how much are you going to learn? How much Gemara are you going to learn? How much are you going to learn? How much measure are you going to learn? Every week, every day, set for yourself those goals. And at the end of the day, don't compromise on them. This is incredible. Piaget says as follows. He says, a person has to make their learning, their learning, such a regular occurrence, such a, like such a part of my life, that missing a day of learning would be as crazy as missing a day of tefillin. 
You know, you know, it's interesting. I think we would all agree that, like, no matter how hectic one's life is, one is not going to miss a day of tefillin, right? Are, are there days because of circumstances? I'm not going to lie. Like, my davening is not rocking the heavens, right? And maybe the entire thing is seven minutes from beginning to end. And tefillin are coming on, shmash from esr, they're coming off. We've all had days like that, and sometimes because again of circumstances beyond their control, and sometimes again for whatever reason, maybe it's not in the morning, it's in the afternoon. But I would never in a million years contemplate missing a day of tefillin. So I, I, might, I might have a compromised tefillin experience, right? I might not be having the ideal tefillin experience, but I'm, I'm never going to miss. So the Pietro says, so here's what's interesting. Yet the same Jew, yet sometimes the same Jew who would never ever miss tefillin would miss a day of learning. Piazetzin says, I got to build myself up to a different place where Torah in my life is as necessary as tefillin. And the same way I would never miss a day of tefillin, I would never miss a day of Torah. Again, could it be that most days I learn it at 45 minutes and there's a day where I only get, you know, five minutes? Sure, that, that could happen, but I'm never going to fully miss it. We'll say, is, see what he's describing over here? And the, the, the equating the two, he says over here, he says, I'll call See, we'll say, anything that I deem as an indispensable part of my life I always find time for, right? So a person would never say, right? A Jew wouldn't, what's the thing with this? Would you ever say the words, I was too busy today to put on tefillin? No, I'll find 30 seconds, right? Whatever it is, I would never. So the PhD says, but it's interesting how like in the world of Ruchnius, often we look at Torah as something beautiful, something wonderful, something value added, and it's certainly a necessity but if I miss a day, it's okay. Like, in other words, if I miss a day, I'm not playing golf. I missed a day because it was just a crazy day. That's like acceptable. Piazza says, it's not. It's not. Torah, Torah is the very air that I breathe. Torah is my very lifeblood. Torah is no less dispensable. Or, or, or Torah is, is as indispensable as tefillin is. As tefillin is. And Piazza says, I have to get myself to a level where I recognize that I have to have my Torah. Maybe some days a little less, maybe some days a little bit more, maybe some days not at the exact time I thought I was going to do it, but it's always got to be there. And I have to, in my mind, in my mind, in the hierarchy of my life, Torah and tefillin have to go on the same level. Have to go on the same level. It's incredible. He says, and any, here's what's interesting, because when something becomes an indispensable part of your life, something amazing happens, which is you find time for it. You find time for it. I would say it's, it's always an interesting thing, by the way. Like when, you, when we kind of talk about and all of us say, you know, we don't have time for certain things. You could tell a lot about a person and about their hierarchy of needs and their pyramid of importance by the things they don't have time for. Right? What are the things I don't have time for? It's interesting, right? It's interesting, right? Some people don't have time to uh, have dinner with their family, right? Some people don't have time, you know, to call their parents. Some people don't have time to learn. Some people, so it's interesting because remember, you don't have, whatever you don't have time for, yet you're still clearly making time for other things. So it's interesting, sometimes by omission, the things that fall by the wayside when I quote, I quote, don't have time, speak volumes about my priorities and speak volumes about my, my value system. So the PSG says you have to kind of like recalibrate a little bit because for many of us, there's like certain things that are indispensable like tefillin and then there's Torah, which is beautiful, but if I don't get it, I don't get it, right? I don't get it, I don't get it. Torah is as, and we'll say we know this, we know this because all of us who learn Baruch Hashem know 
that if there's a day, let's say, I'll, I'll, I'll just use Dafyomi for an example, right? If there's a day that a person doesn't come to Shir, or there's a day that a person doesn't learn the Daf in the morning, the day is different. Uh, now you could catch it up, right? You listen to uh, at seven times speed on the car on the way to work, you know. So you know, I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it, you know. So I, I, I check. You would say it's not the same. Uh, so I, I fulfilled my mitzvah of Talmud Torah, you know, but it's a different day. It's a different day. I'm a different person. My davening is different. My life is different. Everything is different. So the Pishasna says that's the power of Torah. That's the power. We'll say Torah is a transformative entity that as soon as you delve into it, whether you understand it or you don't understand it, it is inconsequential. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. It transforms you. It transforms you. So if I don't have that transformative experience, then by definition, there is something missing from me in life. In the same way, tefillin is also, I will say, well, why does he keep bringing up tefillin? We've spoken about this before. The Marashama Sakas Brachas brings down what is, we know that tefillin really is like one of those, one of those cornerstone, one of those cornerstone mitzvahs. <coughs> so I'll say, so what is it? What is it? So I don't know if you saw, there was, um, there's like this global initiative going on about getting people to put on tefillin, the WhatsApp group, right? The, the healthies, you know, you take a, so actually the, when Eitan Katz came here for the, for the pre, for the pre Rosh Hashanah Kumzitz, he had actually, it's incredible, he had done a concert in the American Dream Mall for a chevra there that was part of this tefillin initiative. And I was watching, because there's a boy in town who, uh, who like participates in it, and he showed it to me, he actually showed me his video. This, this kid is, is unfortunately very disconnected. Beautiful neshama, very disconnected. See, he's on, he's on the video, and he's talking about how tefillin transforms his life. Meanwhile, like, <laughs> yeah, like, 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 not the words you would expect to hear from someone who, who, who's, who's presenting the way that he's presenting. Why is tefillin so transformative? So the Marashama Sechaz Brachas brings down, he says very beautifully, he says, we put on shalyad and shalrosh. So the shalyad over the arm represents physical power. The shalrosh, which goes over the mind, remember the neshama is not here, not in the heart, the neshama is in the head. So the shalyad goes over the mind, which is the intellect and the neshama. Marashama says, when a person puts on tefillin, what they're doing is they're binding their physical prowess and their intellectual, emotional, and spiritual prowess to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What I'm saying is, every source of koach that I have, I'm devoting somehow to your service. We'll say, right, isn't that our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is to go ahead and use every gift, every power, every koach we have in the service of the Ribono Shalom. That's the power of Tzillin. So we'll say, you know what else is like that? Torah. Torah is called the daughter of the Ribono Shalom. Chashbarach, who says, the Medjush brings down, Chashbarach, when during Matan Torah says, it's very difficult for me. I have one daughter. I have one daughter, right? An only daughter. I love her more than anything. It's hard for a father to marry off his daughter. But I trust that you are going to be a good husband to my daughter. And that's Torah. Torah is the Ribbono Shal Olam's daughter that he gave to us. So when a Yid engages in Torah, right? Then ultimately, again, what I'm doing is I'm also binding myself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the power of Talmud Torah. Therefore, the PHS says, this has got to be part of every day part of every day. Ideally, right, in the morning. Can't do it in the morning, in the evening. Can't do it in the evening, gotta do something. But one thing is for sure, can't go through a day without it. Can't go through a day without it because it is as necessary as whatever in your mind is the most necessary spiritual level. Incredible.
He says as follows. We'll say, let's, uh, let's go pa- paragraph Yud. Hakshevu Shema. This also is incredible. Another incredible piece here. <coughs> he says, par- page 52, paragraph Yud. Hakshevu Shema. We'll say, let's do the, we'll, I think we'll probably end up spending the rest of our time on this last piece. Hakshevu Shema. So listen carefully. Zohar Vishamar. And so this is the Piaget's in this way of saying, listen up. Right, listen. Up. Put down the chicken, right, and listen up. Right, that's the, that's, that's the Piaget's not talking. Right, right, right. right. Just pay, pay pay attention to this. He says, "Call." You know, I'm just going to put down the chicken. He says, "Call Dover Tov is incredible." Call Dover Tov and Hagatova Shati Odesh Tzarech Atala Sosa. So I'll say, if now the, the, all of these things are interconnected. So if there is something I know that I need to do, something I know I need to do. Right? So, for example, again, I, I, I've taken upon myself some type of Hanhaga Tova. Right? Again, whether it's a mitzvah, like Torah that we were just learning about in paragraph test, or some other thing that I've taken upon myself that I feel like is a necessity in order to advance my life. But it's something I've taken upon myself. He says, whether, it's, whether you've taken on something in your learning, you've taken on something in your davening, or you've taken something on when it comes just to your personal behaviors. Right? Something with your midos. For example, let's say, let's say a person said, you know what? I'm being Michalapans. I want to start waking up earlier in the morning. I want to wake up early in the morning. Why? Again, it goes back to paragraph test. Lish Baruch Hu loves beginnings. I want to start mm-hmm. my day with Halukite, right? I want to begin my day with holiness. And so I'm going to learn in the morning. So again, I'm waking up early in the morning. That, that, that's what I've taken upon myself. Okay. Let's get ready for this. So what happens if you oversleep? So what happens if you oversleep? It happens, right? It ha- what? So now, let's say this is such a fascinating thing. So what, what, is my, what is my reaction when I oversleep? So we'll say, so generally, right? What's our reaction? What's our reaction? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I tried. I tried. I, you know, it happens. Again, every, everybody has one of those mornings. So look what the Rebbe says. He says, for example, Oh, in Kabbalah, al atzmecha shovecha ma'cholzeh, eizu yamim, mipnei shechemda shechamara ta'oso. Was well, I just spoke this before? Or let's say again, I decide. You know what? I'm going to abstain from a particular food, right? I, I want to. We spoke about this. We'll say a number of weeks ago that the concept of restraint, right? That kedusha manifests itself in the ability to restrain oneself. I want to build up my restraint. So you know what? There's a particular food that I love, right? I'm just taking it upon myself that I'm not going to eat it for a week. Right? That, again, my personal kabbalah. And what happened? And sure enough, you know what? I, I told I wasn't going to eat schnitzel, right? And then, and then I come to Chabura, right? And then, uh, you know, and, and I ate it. So again, he's giving examples over here where a person took on a personal Kabbalah, right? I took on a personal, I'm going to wake up early in the morning, right? And I overslept. I'm not going to eat a certain food because I just want to inculcate within myself a sense of restraint. And then I ate it. What's the, so we'll say, what's the, no, we'll say, I, I just want to point out such a disparity in what the people, what, what is the most beautiful thing that we've seen in the Piagetzna so far throughout this entire Sefer? Chasidus, and especially the Piagetzna's brand of Chasidus, is so loving, is so accepting, is so understanding, and is so able to go ahead and meet people where they are with all of our frailties and all of our difficulties. So let's say, so you would expect, before we go, so you would expect the Piagetzna says, right? I took upon myself to wake up early in the morning, and one morning I overslept. Or I took upon myself not to eat a certain food, and then I slept, I ate it. So what would you expect the Piagetzna to say? What would you expect? Shame on you. 
No, you accept him to say no again. Okay, Shefla. You know what? You tried. You tried. You're great. You're beautiful. Tomorrow you're going to do better. Tomorrow you're going to do better. But I'll say, look what he writes over here. This is crazy. Not crazy. He says like this. You slept in. You should treat that as if you just committed the worst Avera. Wow. Right? You couldn't restrain yourself and you ate the food that you said you weren't going to eat. You should treat that as if you committed the worst Avera. And I will say, this sounds so un like right? This doesn't sound like the way the Rebbe would talk to us. The Rebbe is all about, you fail, get back up, don't worry. Failure is part of the fabric of life. But yet here, I will say, it's coming down so hard. You made a Kabbalah. You made a Kabbalah. You didn't carry through on your Kabbalah. Failure to carry through on your commitments is like the commission of the worst Avera. Piazzetta, why are you coming down so hard? So we'll watch this. Because if people don't treat their personal failures like the commission of the worst Avera, then you are a spiritual and life lightweight. You're a lightweight. Watch this. He says, Let me just what the Piazzetta said, then we're going to read inside. The Piazzetta says, in life, you have to stand for something. In life, you have to stand for something. And if you believe that something is important, you have to hold yourself accountable. And if you don't hold yourself accountable, then what are you? Then, 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 then what? Then what do you measure your success against? If you don't, so it's like, what is, there's this very fine line between on one hand, accepting the fact that failure occurs, <coughs> and giving yourself a pass on every single thing. See, I accept that failure occurs. I accept it. But when failure does occur, I'm upset at myself. I'm upset at myself because I didn't have to sleep in. I didn't have to. I, 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 I did not have to. I didn't have to eat that food. I, I didn't have to do it. It represents a weakness. It represents a lack of conviction. It represents a lack of commitment. And the Piaget just says, if you don't have commitment and you don't have conviction and you don't hold yourself to a high standard, you're not going to get anywhere in life. Because they're both saying, what's going to happen? I'm just going to keep on giving myself a pass. Right? I'll, you'll, I'll do better next time. I'll do better next time. When's next time? Oh, it's not tomorrow, right? But whenever next time is, right? I'll get to it and pass and pass and pass. And I will say, that's why so often in life what happens? We find ourselves, everyone, you ever wonder about this? How many of us are stuck in the same place? I wonder, like, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not like I'm not trying. I'm trying. Because what's the problem? I'm not holding my feet to the fire. I'm not holding myself accountable. I'm not holding myself to the high enough standard. I'm just giving myself a pass. Every single time I don't live up to an expectation, I was really tired. There's always tomorrow. There's this. The food was so good. Piazzesna says, if you can't stand up and uphold your convictions, you are not getting anywhere in life. I will say, this is probably like the starkest thing that the Piazzesna said the entire Savior. I will say, it stings a little bit, right? Because we've all had moments like that where either, like quite literally, I've slept in, right? Or, or, or I've missed this or I just haven't lived up. And again, the natural thing is always to give ourselves a pass. Piazzesna says, if you can't hold yourself to the very standards that you create for yourself, 
then how are you ever going to do anything in life? How are you ever going to accomplish anything? If you always give yourself a pass for every misstep, you'll never move forward. See what we're going to say. I was going to ask, and I think we'll answer how that compares. Last week we spoke about being a loser or a failure. And failure is not making a mistake or screwing up. Failure is throwing in a town, giving up and walking away. So you ask how the world defines, how the Pugetsman defines failure. Okay. Right. So, so I, 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 answer correct. I, I think it's still... Failure, but then holding yourself accountable for that failure so as to not do it again. Correct. Okay. Correct. So in other words, and I was, I want, what I want to point out over here is, let's be clear, is the Piagetsna saying, create for yourself a model where you never fail? I mean, sure, that's great, but that's not possible. What he's saying is, it's very profound, is how should you feel in the aftermath of failure? Own it. Right? Own it. And feel disappointed. Feel disappointed. In other words, it's so interesting because I, I just want to point out, like, it's a little bit like countercultural. Everything the Piaget is countercultural, but, like, you know, what's fascinating is, like, in today's day and age, everything is about feeling good. Everything is about feeling good, right? And no matter what you do or you don't do, you need to feel good about it, and everyone around you needs to make you feel good about it as well. And I will say, which of course is not true, like, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Doesn't, it doesn't work, and it's, it's false, it's sheker, it's hevel, it's nothing. To Piagetsna says, it's important to feel the sting of failure in the aftermath of failure. You know why? You know why? Because it'll say, like, that means I'm not going to do it again. Because I, I, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel that negativity. I don't want to feel that sense of failure. So Piagetsna goes on, we'll say. Can I ask a question? Sure. Have you ever had a, a nightmare? I'm just curious. Because we... Is this a, pers- a personal question? We depend on you every morning. Yeah, but that's true. I had a dream. Yeah. And I just wondered, I'm sure you've never like missed a class, but I'm saying, have you ever had a nightmare where you woke up in a cold sweat? Were you like, oh my God, I missed a doc? So, so first of all, I will tell you, I, I, I have, I've had alarm fails just like everyone else absolutely have. So I'll tell you like this, and the truth is, my, my wife, it drives her a little bit nuts. I check my alarm about four times before I go to sleep. About four times before I go to sleep, I make sure I use my phone as my alarm. I make sure that my phone is plugged in and charged and this and the charger's working. I plug it in. It's a little bit probably like, um, what's the word? Uh, OCD, probably a, bit, a little bit OCD. Yeah, so yeah, I check AM, PM. And even though, again, it's one alarm. It's one alarm. From Monday through Friday, I check it. I check it a minimum of four times. And the truth is, I'm not going to lie. Most nights, after I get into bed, about ten minutes later, I get back up and I check it once more. Yeah, again, a hundred percent. Like because because again, like at the end of the day, at the end of you know, my grandfather's a of the bracha. My grandfather learned, even though he was from a, a Hasidic family, he learned in the yeshiva of Nirvadak, which was a peculiar thing. For especially from uh, from a Hasidic background, so I, I, I remember as a kid, I used to ask my grandfather. He used to always be a very early riser. I said, "Hey, how did you get up in yeshiva in the morning?" So he said, "Before I went to sleep, I would tell myself five times what time I was getting up. I would repeat the time five times. Say I have to get up that time." He said, "Every morning I got up at that time." Uh-huh. Now again, I, I I think that that's just like a different level of physical and spiritual discipline. <laughs> So to me, like, I am reliant on an external source. Like, yeah, I do, except, except my wife, right? I, yeah, I'll have a great alarm, but won't be married. But other than that, you know, but, yeah, no, I, I, believe me, I thought about all these things, put a second over here. 
But then I realized I, I, I do Baruch Hashem live with another wonderful human being who I have to respect. And, uh, <laughs> and they, yeah, of course. Uh, I just want to point out, like, like we're, we're, all, <laughs> we're all in the same boat. We really are all in the same boat with all the same challenges, all the same difficulties. Just like, right? All of us have mornings. All of us have mornings where that alarm goes off. And you're like, not today. <laughs> not, not, you know what? Not today. Nope. <laughs> no, not gonna do it. <laughs> right? Correct, correct. Right, I'm saying so. Like we again, we all, but I will say, but but this. Remember, the reason why spiritual greatness is such a meaningful thing is because it takes work. It just takes work. So they, but I say, so to me, I was. I tell you, when I was preparing this piece today, it, like. I, I felt like a little bit like uh, what's the I said this is like, what is it last week what is it called like when you like fall down and get the wind knocked out of you oh. get the wind knocked out of you that's it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a technical term right uh, like, oh, I, I'll tell you like when I read it I was like whew like it just doesn't sound like Areba like it doesn't I was expecting the P.S. Jansen to say okay don't worry don't worry it's tomorrow this tomorrow this tomorrow you'll do better I'm sorry what time does your alarm go off my alarm yeah. 5.05 5.05 right so so I'll say, so, so the Misa. Importantly, he's, he's not saying you are bad. You should feel bad. Correct, bad. correct. Again, don't, correct. Don't, you're not bad. You, you didn't fail. You're not bad. You're not but you have to hold. No, no. You're right. <laughs> you coined that last thing. You lost. But you should feel the sting of defeat. That's his point. In other words, don't say, oh, well, better luck tomorrow. No, it's not, oh, well, better luck tomorrow. It's like, what happened here? What happened here? How did this happen in my life? And I must say, I know it sounds like very like, God, calm down a little bit. It's just like one morning, right? It's like I, I, I didn't sleep till one o'clock in the afternoon, right? I, I just did, I thought I'm the later chakras, right? So again, I will say, but still, the Piaget's the thing is, I have to ask myself, like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Like, what's the breakdown in my life that I'm not able to honor my commitments? Am I a failure of a person? No, I'm a human being. But don't be so quick to give myself a pass in the aftermath of failure. Feel the sting, feel the hurt, feel the disappointment a little bit. Because I both say that's what keeps us on the right path going forward. Jerry, you going to say something? No, it just, it, well, I, I'm I think the Piagetson is adding on one very important point. To learn from failure, absolutely. He's pointing out, own it, feel the sting of failure. I will say this, I want to point out, like, this makes many of us very uncomfortable, right? Because more often than not, more often than not, in the aftermath of failure, okay, I'll own it, but like, I, I want to move on. I want to move on, right? Let's, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, about numbing the pain, exactly. And the Piaget is saying again, and this is very important. The Rebbe is not Chas Shalom saying that, that I'm a failure. No, but just understand you failed. I have failed in this. 
feel the pain of that failure because if you allow yourself to feel it and understand how I got here, that is that that enhances the probability that I'm not going to repeat this mistake again. It's such an in- I'm sorry. It's like developing integrity. Absolutely. So we'll say, look, he goes on. Let's finish this piece. He says, Again, we said most of this outside. I'll see it inside. So you didn't live up to your personal Kabbalah, right? So you, you, you didn't you didn't learn you didn't learn, or again you weren't able to abstain from that particular food. You failed. It should be in your mind. You should treat it as if you transgressed the terrible Avera. A person who doesn't feel the sting of his mistakes. Right and doesn't feel the pain of his mistakes, kal shabakalimu. Such a person will say it's a very strong lashon. Kal shabakalim means he's a nothing. Kal shabakalim like a lightweight of a lightweight, like a, like a, like a nothing, like a nothing. Because what do you stand for? What do you, what do you, what do you stand for if you don't hold yourself accountable to your own convictions, to your own goals? Then what? Then what are you? He says ki akalosu she'inamidaso chazaka. What's the meaning by kala? So a ka, the kalos is, I don't stand for anything. I don't stand for anything. Yeah. I'm like a feather being blown around. We'll say, what does a feather stand for? Right? What, what does a feather attach itself to? What does a feather attach itself to? Wherever the wind takes. In other words, a feather doesn't attach itself to anything. Right? In other words, well, I guess it's part of the animal. Right? Once it's dislodged, it goes wherever the wind blows it, right? It's not, it's not attached to anything. So a person who doesn't stand firm to his convictions and doesn't hold himself accountable in the aftermath of his failures is just like the feather being blown around the wind. So we'll say what happens, right? The feather, one moment it's in the east, right? Then a wind comes along and suddenly again, it was in the West. But feather, you were just in the East. And I will say, by the way, I, I just want to point out, he says, I will say, that's why a person who, who will call him a feather, right? A feather, right? A person who is a feather in life, which means he's not tethered, he's not anchored, he doesn't hold himself accountable for anything. So what happens? He could accept upon himself whatever he wants. But at the end of the day, I will say, again, it's not only that he's not going to be successful, Ultimately, in the execution of those things, I will say such a person who's like a feather in life, it's not only that he's not going to hold himself accountable for things he takes upon himself, but he's going to end up committing averus also. Why? I will say it makes sense. If you don't hold yourself to any system of accountability, right? If you don't hold your own feet to the fire, the PHS that says, okay, maybe it starts out by not honoring your commitments or not living up to your personal expectations. But where does the road lead? Where does the road lead? It leads to hate. It leads to Avera. Right? That's, that's the natural question. I will say, you know, you see people like this all the time where people will start something, right? And you know what? It, whether it's too difficult or they're just, not, they're, they're, just not, they're just not feeling it. So what do they do? What do they do? They take on something different. Right? You have people like this where it's like the spiritual flavor of the week. Right? I'm, I'm always moving on to something else. Often, what people like that, they're not lacking inspiration. What are they lacking? What are they lacking? Conviction and commitment. Conviction, in other words, so when you tried something and you failed, so you took failure as a license to not hold yourself accountable and just simply move on to something else. But no, the peers, that's not the way it works. When you take something on and you fail, which happens to all of us, Feel bad about it. I know, you're not allowed to say things like this today, right? Feel bad about it. 
You should feel bad. You should feel guilty, right? You should feel like you messed up. You should feel like you didn't live up to your personal expectations. Not to feel, not to feel bad about yourself as a person, but Lamai said to feel bad that you didn't come through in a way you were supposed to. Says the Piagetsna, that's what it takes to be successful in life. If not, if not, you're just a feather. And what is a feather? I will say, what's the life of a feather? Some people like feather life, right? Feather life is you go wherever the wind blows you. Right, this today, this tomorrow, the east over here, the west over here. I feel like this. I don't feel like this. I'm into this. I'm not into this. Whatever. Right. Whatever. Right. Ultimately, I go where the wind goes, and that's it. I will say, if you bring these pieces together, it, it's really incredible, right? Because again, so here in paragraph test, you have the Piagetsna telling us about the need to go ahead and embed Torah within our lives, right? We have to make Talmud Torah something that is an indispensable part of our relationship with the Chalish Baruch Hu, just like tefillin, just like tefillin. So there's no such thing as not having enough time. Ideally, put it in the morning, it's theracious. And then I will say, now the PHS says, so how do you execute on that? How do you execute on that? Or for that matter, how do you execute on any good thing you want to accomplish in life? And I will say, what's the answer? Achrayis, accountability accountability to tell myself you know I will say I said this many times you know what the death knell of any life and there are three words that are the death knell of any life initiative three words good who said that Gabby right I will try I will try I will say if someone ever tells you that they're going to try do not count on them to deliver anything right they are not going to deliver I will try means I will try means you know what like Sure, I'll, I'll, like, I'll put a little bit of effort into this. You know, I'm, I'm happy to go ahead and try to like push myself just a, just a tiny little bit. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm not really committing myself in any type of significant way. I, I, I will try. That's it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's say, you don't try, you produce. Right? You don't try, you accomplish. You don't try, you do. Now again... <coughs> Do you always come through? No. So now what the PHS is saying is, so how, how do you execute on the Torah piece? Right? How do you make that happen? And the answer, says the PHS, ultimately is by making, it, by making it an expectation. And when I make it an expectation, anything that I create an expectation for myself of, I must live up to. There are no exceptions, I'll say. There are no exceptions to my life, to my expectations of myself. Now, I, does it mean I don't fail? I'm positive <coughs> being repetitive, but does it mean I don't fail? No, of course I fail. Of course I fail. But in the aftermath of failure, I will say, how are you supposed to feel? In the after- I know it sounds, it sounds so heavy, but how are you supposed to feel when you fail in the actualization of your expectations of yourself? How should you feel? Badly. <laughs> Poorly. You're not a bad person. You're a good person. But you should feel badly that you did not live up to your own expectations of yourself. Because if you made it for yourself, you could do it. And if you failed to do it, it's just simply because you didn't try hard enough. And that sting that hurt, that pain of not being the best version of you when I easily could, or not so easily, but I could have, that's what prevents me from ultimately lapsing into that negative behavior or just that lazy behavior once again. I will say, an incredible, incredible story. All right, so we'll stop over here for tonight. Again, I will say, I think next, next week, Emir Hashem is Hoshana Rabo. So we're going to have Hasidus again as well. It's going to be Dafyomi Emir Hashem from 7.30 to 8.30. And then Emir Hashem, Pia Jatsna from 8.30. <laughs> we're gonna have, have we'll do extra food next week. Intermittent Piaget. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna have fabringing, so it's gonna be I, hope, I think Ellie's gonna be here also so we'll have some singing, some food, some I right, say and tomorrow what is it? So next week, next week? 
Hold me to this. Hold me to this. I'm paying with expectation. Hold me to this. Next week, we are finishing in Merit Hashem this section. So our goal next week is to really finish the formal part of the Sefer, which really ends on page 54. 54 is really the end of the Sefer. Then I will say, ultimately, again, becomes how we form into Chaburos. So Merit Hashem, that's the commitment we're making. Finish the Sefer next week on Vela Hashem Rabba. Oh, say,